Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Welcome to our Tuesday night Torah class. I appreciate all you people that came out to uh, look at the Torah with me. Um, let's see. Joe snuck away. I'll wait for Joe to come back for a minute. We're uh, in Leviticus. We've been going through the Torah just uh, uh, on a weekly basis, and we just get to as far as we get, and then we pick it up where we left off last week. We just read it and discuss it, and we're in Leviticus, um, <clears throat> right in the middle, as a matter of fact. Last week, uh, we've discussed about how Leviticus is, um, is a chiastic structure. It starts wide at the top, and it focuses on something in the middle, and then it spreads out at the bottom. And um, the thing that it focuses on is chapter 16, the Day of Atonement. And so we spent quite a bit of time last week talking about the Day of Atonement, and this diagram, which I've purposely left up here the whole time, is helpful, I think, because um, Leviticus is a difficult book. There are a lot of things in it, and it seems to be spread out all over the place. And there's, I, I have trouble with the structure sometimes. Uh, but this is a diagram that um, I got off the Internet. The website is called The Bible Project. I think it's .com. The Bible Project is the name of the website. And they have a lot of teaching materials and, and little videos. There's a video that goes with this. Uh, it shows the diagram being drawn at the same time someone's talking. And it really helps a lot to kind of understand Leviticus by looking at this. And then if you kind of enjoy that one, there are all kinds of other stuff on there. There's drawings like this for all the books of the Torah, most of the books in the Old Testament. And all of them are, uh, all of them leave you with a better understanding of kind of what's there. To me, I like to find things organized. I like to see things organized, and this really does that. So anyway, last week we finished talking about the Day of Atonement. See, are there any, any things we didn't? Yeah, John? I was going to do that, but I'm waiting for Joe because he asked me to pray for his son and her, his mother. So as soon as he gets back, I'll do that. I wouldn't want to do that with him not here. Okay, but I appreciate that, because I often do forget. <clears throat> I couldn't start because you weren't here. I couldn't start because you weren't here. <laughs> so, let's pray, okay? Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for this evening. Thank you for the time that we're going to spend studying your Torah. Um, I'd ask that you'd be with us tonight in our discussion and help us to listen to one another and to learn what you have for us tonight. I'd also ask that you would be with Michael and his mother as they're trying to find, trying to locate an apartment. There's a good apartment right, uh, right next to where uh, Joe lives, and if you could help them guide their path that they might be able to uh, move into this, it would be grateful, helpful. And if you can uh, use us to help with that, make sure and let us know, Father God. We just thank you for Joe, and we thank you for his concern about his son. In your name we pray, amen. All right. 
Thanks. So, last week we had just a few minutes left, and we were on chapter 18 in Leviticus, and I read it. And chapter 18 is kind of a, well, I don't know, it's a little bit earthy, if you will. It's pretty graphic, chapter 18. So I want to do that again, and then I want to talk about it for a minute. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll just read part of it. So follow along with me here just for the sake of doing this. Starting the beginning of Leviticus 18, it says, Then Yahweh said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am Yahweh your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am Yahweh your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the man who obeys them will live by them, and I am Yahweh. So then it goes on this long list of basically deviant sexual practices, and there's a whole bunch of them, okay? Um, and then at the end, starting in verse 24, it says, do not, do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that I am going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you must keep my decrees and my laws. The native-born and the aliens living among you must not do any of these detestable things. For all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you, and the land became defiled. And if you defile the land, it will vomit you out as it vomited out the nations that were before you. Everyone who does any of these detestable things, such persons must be cut off from their people. Keep my requirements and do not follow any of the detestable customs that were practiced before you came and do not defile yourself with them. I am Yahweh your God. So, given that short summary of the chapter, who can tell me why God doesn't want us to engage in any of these sexual, sexually deviant behaviors? <laughs> John? <laughs> It's right on top there. It's right on. There you go. It should be on. There you go. Well, because we'll get vomited out of the land. Here, here. How much more? How graphic is that? Yeah. How, yeah. And how, how much clearer could he make it? These are the practices that got the people that live there now thrown out. These are the practices of the people in Egypt. And, and God finds them detestable. And evidently, they are, um, I'll call it cancerous, for lack of a better term. They, they decay society. They decay the society that practices this. And it becomes so corrupt that God has to say, okay, fine, I'm starting over and just send them out of there. Polly has something. So the house of Israel was there, and they're not there now. What does that tell you? Is this the pattern that happened? Well, well I, I think that's without doubt. Yeah. So backing up a little bit from what John said, the land vomited them out, but isn't the reason the land vomited them out is because these practices defiled the land? Exactly. Therefore, the land, that was mm -hmm. the consequence. Very yeah. interesting that this is how the land becomes defiled. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I guess, oh, I don't know what to say other than the fact that sometimes some of these things are just real obvious. And all you got to do is pay attention. 
know, that, that's why we shouldn't do these things, is they defile the land. Yes. So even the land is disgusted. Mm -hmm. Even the land is disgusted. That's a good way I, to put I it. I had a question. Uh, do you think this happened to the people who were inhabiting the land before the Israelites? Mm -hmm. do, you, do you see any correlation to our day and age with all the floods and tsunamis and volcanoes and people are fleeing homes and getting... Well, yeah, well, let, let's talk about that for a minute, because that's worth, I've thought about that kind of a thing a lot. Uh, first of all, whenever we consider the fact that God has used, has cho he chose to use the Israelites as an instrument of his judgment on the Canaanites. Because the Canaanites engaged in these practices, he chose the Israelites to expel them. Okay? We know if we move the clock up, um, God chose the Assyrians to expel the Israelites, at least the Israelites in the northern kingdom. Uh, and evidently it was because they were doing this. And as a matter of fact, if you read it, it says they were doing this. You know, in 2 Kings, that's what they were doing. They were following the practices of the Canaanites and the kings of the, of the, or the gods of the inhabitants of that land before they got there. So, and, and he says right here, he says, if you do it, it'll vomit you out too. And then you can go through all of history and you can see that God uses one group of people to, as an instrument of judgment on another. So you ask about what's going on here today. Certainly the hurricanes and the earthquakes are another form of judgment. But if God is, is true to his character, he'll use another, another people group to do it. But suffice it to say, if we're doing these things, and it's pretty clear we are, then judgment is coming. Don't you think? I think so. Yeah. Um, Jerry, uh, who is uh, in verse uh, 21, M-O-L-E-C-H? Molech. Molech. Oh, we're going to talk about him um, a little bit later. Was he a good guy or a bad guy? He is a bad guy. Molech, well, let's, let's, we'll get there, I think. Because God's, God's got a special... Special little paragraph about Molech here. But he was a bad guy. He was very, well, I'll just say this. What his specialty was, was uh, child sacrifice. So he, that's, that's what they would do with Molech. And we'll talk about that some more. Are there any other thoughts about this chapter 18? I just thought when you stand back and look at it, the, the chapter is fairly clear. Some of these others are a little worse. Like 19 is a little harder because sometimes it's harder to tie together the things that are in there. But every single thing that he talks about in chapter 18 is sexual deviation of one matter or another. And so that's his point, if you ask me. Pretty hard to miss it. Okay, if there's nothing else, then why don't we go on to uh, chapter 19. And let's see, I have a stopping point here. Would somebody like to read the first 18 verses of chapter 19? Well, I have the mic, so Since I'll you read. happen to have the mic, Mike, <clears throat> that would be highly appropriate. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel, and, and say to them, Be set apart, for I, Yahweh your Elohim, am set apart. Each one of you should fear his mother and his father, and guard my Sabbaths. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. 
Do not turn to idols and do not make for yourselves molded mighty ones. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. And when you slaughter a slaughtering of peace offerings to Yahweh, slaughter it for your acceptance. It is eaten the same day you slaughter it and on the next day. And that which is left on the third day is burned with fire. So if it is eaten at all on the third day, it is abominable. It is not accepted. And he who eats it bears his crookedness because he has profaned the set-apart offering of Yahweh and that being shall be cut off from his people. And when you reap the harvest of your land, do not completely reap the corners of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. And do not glean your vineyard or gather every grape of your vineyard. Leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. Do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. And do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your Elohim. I am Yahweh. Do not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of him who is hired is not to remain with you all night until morning. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but fear your Elohim. I am Yahweh. Do not do no unrighteousness in right ruling. Do not be partial to the poor. Favor the face of the great, uh, but rightly rule your neighbor in righteousness. Do not go slandering among your people. Do not stand against the blood of your neighbor. I am Yahweh. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Reprove your neighbor for certain and bear no sin because of him. Do not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the children of your people, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. Okay, let's talk about these for a little bit because there's some interesting things in here. First of all, you'll notice in the beginning that um, God's addressing the entire assembly of Israel. So these are for everybody, right? Um, verse 3 says, Each of you must respect his mother and father and must observe my Shabbats. I am Yahweh your God. John. Hi, Margaret. Um, now you forgot what you're going to say, right? No, I did. I remembered. So we just got through talking about the land that will vomit you out. Mm -hmm. The land of promise and the Ten Commandments. The land, the, I'm sorry, the commandment that has a promise with it is to honor your father and mother. And what does it say? It says so go, that it may go well with you when you enter the land. When right? you're on, right, when you're on the land. Yeah. So there's a connection there. Very good point. Very and good point. It, it, there was just a lot of a, almost like this is Exodus 20 again, and a lot of it was was just uh, yep. the basic rules of what you're supposed to follow. And it's interesting how it's, if you don't follow those, it's almost like built in the land will kick you out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and as uh, that's one of the things that you know, as I read verse three, two came to mind right away. One was, you know, honor your father and mother. One of the commandments, number four, I think, yeah, five maybe, and then. Uh, observe the Shabbat and keep it holy. So there's two of the commandments right there in that verse. Um, verse 4, do not turn to idols or make gods of cast metal for yourselves. Does that remind you of another commandment? Yep, yep. Um, verse 5 is a little different. Five and a few there. It says, 
When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to Yahweh, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be acceptable on your behalf. It shall be eaten on the day you sacrifice it or on the next day. Anything left over until the third day must be burned up. If anything is eaten on the third day, it is impure and will not be accepted. Whoever eats it will be held responsible because he has desecrated what is holy to Yahweh. That person must be cut off from his people. Now that's interesting. This, there's all kinds of little implications there. First of all, you know, this was a period without refrigeration, right? Or saran wrap or vacuum seal or any of that kind of stuff. So uh, you could see, uh, yeah, and, and a fellowship offering essentially is a nice barbecue, right? You could see you being able to keep the stuff overnight, maybe into the second day. But you know you're kind of playing with fire if you try to eat it on the third day because that's too late. You know, it's, it's probably begun to, uh, you know, malevolent microorganisms have begun to proliferate, let's say. So it's probably not the thing you'd really like to eat on the third day. But that's not necessarily the reason for this. The reason for this is just because God says, don't do it. He says, when you, if you leave it till the third day, it becomes common. It becomes not holy. And so the whole thing's off. So don't do that. John, Joe, I'm sorry, I misspoke your name, kind of. I tried to catch it in the middle. But. Just, in just reading these scriptures that uh, previously, uh, when uh, God spoke to the congregation at Mount Sinai, it was to the whole nation. Mm -hmm. Okay, then all these others were personal things. Now it comes down to the individual. That's God is saying, uh, you do this, you do that. It would be a collective thing, but yet it is uh, geared to the individual. Well, God says, speak to the whole nation of Israel and tell them this. But you're right. It, it, it is about individual behavior, that's for sure. Okay, moving on to verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am Yahweh your God. Now, we've read that before, haven't we? Yeah, I believe it was in Exodus that we read that. And I remember I always, whenever I see that, well, uh, let me ask you, what does that make you think of whenever you see that? Whenever you read that, you understand. You know what gleanings are, right? Gleanings are whenever you go through and harvest stuff, you don't get it all, right? And so there's, there's the gleanings that go through and get what you missed the first time. That's one thing. And the other thing is the going back and, and doing it later. You know, some of the stuff might not have been ripe the first time you're through, so you go back two weeks later and get some others. Yeah. So... <clears throat> So that could be a lot. Because, yeah, it could be. Because sometimes, you know, trees will, will bear fruit, yep. and then they'll come back later, or they'll have a lot of fruit that... That's not ripe. Half of it is ready to be picked, and the other half is not even not ready. Yep. And so, you know, it isn't like, oh, we missed two or three over here. Yeah. It might be half the half your... I don't know. It might be half of the har potential harvest. Now, hopefully it wouldn't be half, but it might be. Well, a third, let's say... It a 25%. Well, if you add to that, don't do the corners. The point of it is, yeah. it isn't just a little bit. And so people, yeah. the, those who are poor amongst you, yeah. have plenty to, to, to uh, benefit from. Yeah. That, uh, Pat's got something. Hi, 
I think of our welfare system and how opposite it is. Mm -hmm. They had to work to get something. Mm -hmm. If they don't work, they don't eat. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think the, um, the thing I get out of this is it is we have an obligation to the poor among us. We have an obligation. This is how you meet the obligation. This is a model of it, right? Like you say, we don't write them checks. We say, you know, I didn't, uh, I, I, being, trying to be scripturally obedient, I didn't get every single last grape out of here. So if I see you in there picking grapes, um, it's okay. So there's no shame associated with doing that, right? And the farmer actually probably feels like he's doing the right thing, uh, hopefully. But I, I've, I always get a lot out of that kind of instruction because it says there's a lot involved in making sure that you're meeting your responsibility to the less fortunate. Uh, you know, you want to meet it in a way that doesn't look like you're demeaning them. But like you say, they have to go get it. The rule was, by the way, you could go through a farmer's field and pick whatever you wanted, but you weren't allowed to go in with baskets. You know, if you go in with baskets, then fill them up, you're harvesting. Now, I'm not sure that that really applies in this case, but I know that that was the case in general, was that you were always allowed to eat from a farmer's field as long as you only ate what you could eat. You didn't, you didn't get to take it with you. I could be wrong about that. Better be careful. Yes. This has got Ruth all over it. Got what? Ruth. Yes, it does. This is very much Ruth. Yep. Did she? Well, you know, I'm, let me rescind all that. Let's just wipe the tape off, because I'm not so sure about that. But I, I thought that that was the case. I thought that at some point in time, I remember reading that you could, you could go through a farmer's field and take what you could carry, but you weren't allowed to take in baskets and fill them up. Maybe it's take in baskets, fill them up, and go dump them. I don't know. I'm making it up, so. Yeah, you can't bring the U-Haul with you. Yeah, you can't bring the U-Haul. But I know the, uh, you know, the various different uh, farm machinery companies like uh, John Deere, I've seen big pieces of equipment called gleaners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Polly has something. I had a question too. Go ahead. So if you had a Torah-gated community, this would be something you'd want to set up, right? Yep. Be have, have your agriculture there and people to give them an opportunity to glean? Yep. Yep. So it's two passages in Proverbs 14. The first one is 1421. It is a sin to despise one's neighbors, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Okay. So there's a blessing that comes along with not gleaning your field a second time. And the second one is 1431. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Yep. So yeah, that, that's good. I like that because... You remember when, when we read these things about, I'm pretty sure it was in Exodus, about the, um, that's the, the poor, the widows, and the orphans. And God gets real upset if he says, if I, if I, I'm paraphrasing, if I catch you oppressing the poor or being cruel to the widows and the orphans, you know, there's no excuse for that. You're, you're going to, I'm going to nail you for that one. So, um, and this is along those lines. So, Again, we have a responsibility, and it can be done with the right attitude, and if it is, God blesses it. That's very true. Okay, verse uh, 11. Do not steal, 
do not lie and do not deceive one another. That's all in one verse. Now, that's, that's even like, what is it? Uh, commandments 6, 7, and 8 or something like that. I mean, they're real short, right? These are real short commandments, but, they, but they're, they're pretty much the same thing. Lying, deceiving one another are not quite the same thing. What's the difference between lying and deceiving? Well, deceiving is like I would think of, that's legal, but is it lawful? In other words, you know, that could be, that could be legal, but you're not really looking out for your brother and letting him know that yep. there's, there's strings attached to that or something. Yeah. So that, That's fair. I think one of the things I say that's is deceitful. Yeah, lying is just, you know, stating a, 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 <laughs> the way they call it, an alternative fact. <laughs> Right? Lying is just saying that something that you know is true is not true. Deceiving is allowing the person you're talking to to go away with a conception that's exactly not what's true. Yeah. You know, Even though you said you never lied about it, yeah. he drew that conclusion. Yeah. But you helped him, you helped him draw the wrong conclusion, and then you sat there and says, Yeah. <laughs> that's deceiving. Yeah. yeah, that's the story. That's the ticket. Yeah. yeah. So also uh Lying and bearing false witness. Mm -hmm. Bearing false witness is a very technical thing, but a very yes. uh, large ramification. Yeah, you know, based on how important the, uh, the telling of the truth is these days, I wonder about some of that. Well, there are, are instances where, the, where lying is uh, not a sin. We could say um, the uh, midwives of... Moses's mother, um, the uh, three or however many wise men who visited Yeshua, yep. you know, they, you could say they deceived Herod. So, I mean, so what do you think? Are there, there's well, no, cases I, where uh, you are uh, That's a very good of, question. Uh, I don't think you can, let's see. I don't know where this is going. I don't think you can deny the fact that that was deception. I don't, but uh, I'm also not going to say they shouldn't have done it. John? Yeah. Um, so this, the, the scenario was the lying to the Pharaoh? About well, the, 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 about I'm, the midwives and Moses', yeah. Moses birth. So, I, you know, think these things through in a legal sense. So what are you going to do? You say, well... You lie that you didn't let us kill these children. That, you know, yeah. that doesn't make sense. There's no, you, who cares what a lie, I mean, I'm going to be technical here. Who cares what a lie is if nobody is injured? I mean, if you look at it from a legal point of view, if you're not an injured party, then you're arguing theory or, you know, there's no, yeah, there's okay. no, you there's make no a good damage. <laughs> well, I mean, it yeah, brings yeah. clarity, you yeah. know, it's the, it's so, oh, they lie to the Pharaoh. Uh-huh. Well, how is he going to bring it in a just court? How is he going to bring his case yeah. when the consequences of not telling the lie is the death the of an innocent? Side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. You know, I mean, that's, that's a good way to look at it. I understand what you're saying. Make the other guy. Don't just feel guilty about it. Make the other person, your opponent, convince you why he he's an injured party. Show yeah. me how you're an injured party. Yeah. Now, of course, you remember what those uh, those midwives said. They said the, uh, I love paraphrasing God, I should get in trouble for this one day, but they, they, the midwife says, well, you know, these, 
Uh, Hebrew women are not like these flimsy Egyptian women, you know. They're, they're robust, and when they have a baby, boy, they're, they're, everybody's ready to go, and they're out of there before we can do anything. I always kind of liked that answer. I thought that was pretty cool. And who says that isn't true, really? Yeah. I, looking at Exodus 20 and the original uh, concerning the telling a lie, it says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. I think that's different than telling a lie. Mm -hmm. It has to do with a court situation where you're getting your neighbor in trouble for... Mm -hmm. That's a fair point, yeah, because bearing false witness, witness against your neighbor implies malice against your neighbor. It implies that you're trying to do something that's uh, uh, detrimental, injures, injures your neighbor. Well, there's times when Yahweh told certain prophets to purposely lie mm -hmm. to convince mm -hmm. opposite of what he, you know, to help. Yeah. So I don't know that just lie in itself is yeah. so well, critically wrong, but yeah. bearing false witness against your neighbor seems to me to be a little different than just lying. Yeah, that's fair. And of course, the, uh, the other part of that is do not swear falsely in my name and so profane my name, uh, uh, the name of your God. Um, that's, we can go off in the weeds and talk about how important it is to, uh, you know, to live, live up to your oaths, which is kind of what that is. They, the only thing worse than lying, if you will, would be to lie and then swear on God's name that you aren't. I mean, that just sounds bad thinking it, doesn't it? Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Um, those are all things that are pretty much, I think, involved in those few um, Ten Commandments, those few commandments are there. Do not, do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. What's that all about? So a lot of people live, how do they say it, hand to mouth. Yes. They don't, they're, you know, they're, they're, every day is, a, is a, almost like a day of survival. So yeah. hold, hold, to hold back someone's property is, is to deny them that property. Yeah. It's interesting how many things here are associated with the private property. If you don't have the concept of private property, none of this stuff makes any sense. Very good point. That's a very good point. The other thing that I, I get a kick out of this stuff is that it all has to do, I think a lot of it has to do with your attitude. I mean, you could see, I can imagine, you know, as a, a rich uh, boss, I've hired some guy to, to help me do something, and it gets through doing it, and I look down and I say, oh, man, I left my wallet at home. I'll get you tomorrow, right? Uh, and... You don't know what you're doing to a guy when you do that, right? Maybe, like you say, maybe he needed that money today. And so a lot of times we just kind of shrug it off. And I, so I think a lot of it is attitude. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree there with what Yochanan was saying. That kind of also sounds like probate court when you're, getting, you're supposed to get something and the government or the state holds it from you for yeah. many years and it's your property. So that... <laughs> Well, I, like I say, I'm not going to say everything works great here. Um, also, sorry. back then it was a cash society. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, they didn't they didn't have any other means, yeah, and so they needed to be paid because probably the ones working in the field didn't have any assets to speak of yep. for, for whatever reason. Yep, and they needed it, yeah, like they, like has been said. They, this concept of paydays on Friday probably wasn't real common. Yeah. Um, 
Verse 14 says, Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am Yahweh. And that gets back to the, the poor and the widows and orphans, right? Those, the poor, the widows, and orphans are always someone, there's someone that you can look at and say, those, those people have, have, uh, have a harder life than I do, typically, you know? And so uh, this is the same kind of thing. Why would you curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind? I mean, that's just, there's, that's just meanness at best. Um, I would also say it's, uh, you have to be proactive in your righteousness. You can't just sit by and not do something. Um, you know, you can say, well, I put a stumbling block in, but I didn't know the guy was blind. Yeah. You know, or, <laughs> or, or worse yet, you see somebody blind coming along, he's getting ready to trip over this block, right. and you just sit there and watch. Right. I mean, that's kind of the same thing, too. Right. Know. Good point. Verse 15 is interesting. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. I'm sorry, Marvin. Go for it. On 14. Yes. I think that's got a deeper meaning than just people with, with, uh, that are deaf. They can't hear. Yeah. We're blind, they can't see. I think it's a lot deeper meaning than that. Okay, kind of, can you describe what maybe you're at? Pe- maybe people that don't have an ear to hear, you know, don't, um, don't curse them. I mean, you know, just like, like we are today. I, I think it's a deeper meaning than that. And blind people, they, they can read the Bible and they don't see it. Yeah. So be careful yeah. on how you, how you treat those people. Cause I think that's a good point. That's a very good point. That, I like that. So that's like kind of what he was saying too. And then um, the idea that he's saying don't try to get away with anything. Like um, I've heard that there are portions of Judaism that say, well, we, this only pertains to us, so we aren't to lie to one another, but we can lie to the Egyptians, we can lie to the Gentiles, we can lie to anybody else or take a usury interest for things. And so when, when um, you were reading this, it was, it was like, okay, don't try to do anything because you should fear me. You know, I'm holy. That's that yep. whole section. Yep. Well, I, that, I do like the fact that you caught the connection between but fear your God, basically, because I think when you do these things, even as, if they're as, as uh, uh, point blank as they look, uh, it shows an attitude that's just not acceptable. You know, it shows a, a, uh, an unloving attitude, and God, and God says you should be afraid of that. You should be afraid of me for that. Okay, let me do, oh, the one I want to talk about, perverting justice. Don't show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great. I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, I was thinking also, uh, this verse, well, this is very touchy. This verse uh, kind of deals with those who are, are dealing with people who are weaker than yourself. Mm-hmm. 
you know, or taking advantage of others' weaknesses or, you know, uh, you know, we all went to grade school. We all know that, you know, we all got picked on. We all probably picked on somebody, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, the bullying that goes on yeah. with kids and, you know, but if you're an adult and you're still bullying people, I mean, yeah. there's, there's something wrong well, with you. Think, yeah, the thing that comes to my <laughs> mind are these people that call up on the telephone and, and coerce these older people into buying stuff that they don't even know what is. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I'm still going to say one thing about the do not pervert justice. Uh, don't show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the rich. Now, you could argue that partiality to the poor could be called mercy, right? But that's not what he says. He says, don't show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the rich. I figured John would have something to say about that. <laughs> Well, he's already told you how to be merciful yes. with, with uh, allowing them to glean the fields and things like that. Yes. Suggesting that you don't have 100% property right on that land. But mm -hmm. when it's dealing with an individual person, you know, stealing from rich Paul to pay poor Peter isn't what, isn't it what the Torah says. Yep. It doesn't matter that there's no respecter of persons, rich or poor. Yeah. They're, they're all well, equal under God. The law is the law. Yeah. Right. Now you could, uh, you might be able to show mercy in terms of the punishment, perhaps, but you have to, you have to call it wrong, and you have to deal with it as wrong, right? Restitution must be paid. That's that's why that one proverb, or not proverb, the story that uh, I think Mark was talking about it on Shabbat, the the guy that had borrowed or owed his boss ten thousand talents. You know, ten thousand talents is. Uh, it's 750,000 pounds of something because <laughs> a talent weighed 75 pounds. So, um, and if that was gold or silver, either one, it was more money than that guy could have paid back in his lifetime. And, of course, the point is, is that's what we owe God. And so, and the, the boss said, well, okay, look, you know, you're, I feel bad for you. I'll forgive you the debt. Uh, but, man, if he, and then he turns around, some guy throws him a few pennies and he has him thrown in jail. What kind of a fool would do such a thing, if you ask me? Yes? On this partiality, uh, I was thinking of the New Testament where a rich man comes in, he gets a choice, a seat, and a poor man, he's up in the nosebleed section <laughs> and his soul. But anyway, uh, a lot of the things that are in the Old Testament, uh, Yeshua has elaborated on them in the New Testament. Yeah, that's true. So we're, we'll go on here, just a couple more before we get through the section. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. We've talked about that before, Lashon Hurrah. There's nothing specific in uh, the Ten Commandments about that, but I think it's kind of contained in there somehow. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. Um, that Basically, that's... Uh, we, we talked about this with some of the, again, those laws that were in Exodus. Um, like it says, you know, if you dig a pit, cover it. You know, if you, uh, if you have a, an ox that you know is a habit of goring people, you know. So the point is, is uh, don't, don't leave things that are obviously unsafe. You know, you, again, you have a responsibility for the people you live around, your neighbors. 
Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so will you, not, you will not share his guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. I remember when I read that the first time, I thought, well, I'll be darned. I thought that was strictly a New Testament thing. I had no idea, you know. And, and of course, what goes in the front of that is the, what, the, what the heart attitude really is. You know, the heart attitude is, that's when Yeshua said, you know, the, you don't murder anybody, but I tell you, if you have hatred in your heart, you know, you're, you're already on the road. That's, that's essentially, I think, what that's saying. Now, what I wanted to do is just take a second. We've looked at how this is a lot like the Ten Commandments. It's got a few things that aren't in the Ten Commandments. Men may miss a few that are. Uh, but over on the wall over there, you probably can't read it, Micah 6, 8. Let's turn there. I know everybody knows it, but turn to Micah 6, 8 for a minute. Micah's talking about, he's talking about God's case against Israel. And, you know, the nation of Israel has uh, obviously disobeyed to the nth degree and God's patience running out. And he says and through Micah in verse 8, he says, He, this is God, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Okay? Now, I've learned that. I've got that memorized. But, it, you know, you, you need to think about that. So, to act justly is what we just read. And the Ten Commandments. And a whole bunch of other stuff that has to do with your heart attitude and the way you interact with the people that you live with. That's what act justly means. Right? And then... To love mercy. What's that mean? That means to don't wish bad things on your neighbor. You know, to, to do good for people. Whatever, whatever you have an opportunity to bless somebody, do so. That's, to me, that's what loving, or loving mercy is. And then to walk humbly with your God, that's all that stuff in the, in the early part of the, of the uh, Ten Commandments. You know, don't have any other gods. Don't worship idols. Don't, don't do these deviant sexual things. That's walk humbly before your God means to respect Him as not only your maker, but the uh, author of the rules by which you should live. Don't be, don't be trying to get out of Him or, you know, defying Him or anything. I don't know. I just find that it's interesting that all of this stuff is really saying the same thing, and it's all, it, we, we don't have any excuse it's all here, and we're going to run into this same stuff again, right? You run into the New Testament. So, Polly. I, what it reminds me of is, I think, a lesson that maybe King David learned in life is that, and I'm going back to the Proverbs that I read in 14, that when you do the poor wrong, you're showing contempt for your maker. That in every relationship between me and my brother, there's a third party involved that I forget about, and that's the Lord God himself. I think that's why in a lot of these scriptures you're reading in Leviticus, it ends with, I am the Lord. Uh -huh. Because he wants to remind us that in everything you do, in every 
way you treat your neighbor, you forget that I'm involved here. Yeah. And it has a direct relationship between me and you and our relationship depending on how you treat others. And we often treat somebody not thinking that anything that there's a third party that's involved here and it's our relationship with the Father. And so I think I love the, what you pointed out. What does it mean in Micah to, um, what was the last thing you just read? To about, walk humbly with To your walk God? humbly mm -hmm. is to always recognize our humbleness before him in how we're treating other people. That's good. I think another way to think about this is you can imagine he, he's right there beside you watching you, right? Like you say, he's, yeah. I don't know. Again, this not like it's that hard. Well, you're getting tall. <laughs> I just wanted to mention here that um, there's eight instances here where uh, it says, I am Yahweh. In um, verse 12, you shall not falsify my name, neither shall thou profane the name of thy Elohim. I am Yahweh. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for that name. Yes. And how it is not honored, it is not appreciated, it is, it is confused with a lot of what Christianity does and accepts. Yep. And... There's this. There's a distinction. Yep. I, that needs to be. Um, that's here in in the commandments in Yahweh's word. This yep. is how. This is His word, and this we're supposed to follow it. Whereas, um, churchianity has pretty much said, "Well, we're we're honoring the Lord, doing the Christmas, yeah. <laughs> Easter ham for yeah. the celebration of a risen Savior." Um, changing the Sabbath to Sunday, on and on. And um, there's a distinction. Yes, there's a distinction. I've often thought about what you're saying, you know, the, the name, because you can't find anything that's been messed around with more than the name. You know, there's all kinds of people that think you ought to say it this way or you ought to say it the other way, people that don't want to write it, people that, you know, say Hashem, the name, rather than, you know, all kinds of stuff. And even the way the Bible's translated, it's confusing. I mean, <coughs> it was, again, it was a, an epiphany for me when I realized that every time you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that that's his name, you know, because I thought it was just a word. <laughs> yeah, so I guess my point is, is yeah, the, if there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot to it, I don't understand. But it is clear that it's very important. Otherwise, the adversary wouldn't have gone to so much trouble to obscure it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good catch. Okay, so I'd like to recruit somebody to read from uh, verse 19 to the end of chapter 19. <clears throat> There's not too many hard things to pronounce. You'll probably do all right. Guard my laws. Do not let your livestock mate with another kind. Do not sow your field with mixed seed, and do not put a garment woven of two sorts of thread upon you. And when a man has intercourse with a woman who is a female servant engaged to a man and who has not at all been ransomed nor redeemed, 
nor freedom given, there should be no inquiry. But they are not, but they are not put to death, because she was not free. And he shall bring his guilt offering to Yahweh, to the door of the tent of appointment, a ram as a guilt offering. And the Kohen shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering for Yahweh, for a sin which he had done, has done. And the sin which he has sinned shall be forgiven him. And when you come into the land and have planted all kinds of trees for food, then you shall reckon their fruit as uncircumcised. For three years is, is as uncircumcised to you, it is not eaten. In the fourth year, all its fruits, Kodesh, praises to Yahweh. In the fifth year, you eat its fruit, so that will increase its yield to you. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. Do not eat with the blood. Do not practice divination or magic. Do not round the corner of your head, do nor destroy the corner of your beard. And do not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor put tattoo marks on you. I am Yahweh. Do not profane your daughter by making her whore, so that the land is not whore. And the land becomes filled with the wickedness. God my Shabbat and reference my Mikdash. I am Yahweh. Do not turn to mediums and do not seek after spiritists to be in defiled by them. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. Rise up before the gray-headed, and you shall favor the face of an old man, and shall refer your Elohim. I am Yahweh. And when the stranger sojourns you with you in your land, do not oppress him. Let the stranger who dwells among you to be as, deep as to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Mitzrayim, and I am Yahweh, your Elohim. Do not, do no unrightness righteousness in the right ruling and measurement of length and weight or in measuring liquids have right scales right weights a right and a right hin i am yahweh your elohim who brought you out of the land of Mitzrayim, and you shall guard all my laws and all my right rulings and do them i am yahweh thank you you only you only stuttered over one word and it was mikdash you know what mikdash is it's the sanctuary it's the Tabernacle. You did good. You, you need to slow down and be more dramatic like your dad, but other than that, you're all right. Okay, so let's look at some of these. Verse 19, keep my decrees. In other words, be obedient, right? Do not mate different kinds of animals. I don't know what, some of these are going to be confusing for me because I don't get them. Now, most time, you can't do it anyway, but even if you could, there's very few times that it works. Right? I guess a, uh, a mule is a donkey and a, and a horse that have been mated together. Uh, okay. They, I think, if I'm not mistaken, those, once you've created a mule, mules aren't fertile, so you can't recreate them. So you haven't really created anything. But uh, that would be a no-no, according to this. Um, do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. That one's always struck me as a little difficult. Um, but we'll talk about that. I mean, in, in some cases, you know, they talk about the wheat and the tares. And obviously the reason you don't want to do that is because you can't tell one from the other. But I can't, I don't understand, you know, say you had a vineyard and you planted, uh, I don't know, strawberries between the grapevines or something. But I'm just talking here. Um, do not wear clothing woven with two kinds of material. Now, back then, they didn't have Dacron and polyester. They had wool, linen, and, I guess, cotton, although I don't remember that. Anyway, um, so let's talk about these. What do these things mean? 
John? Well, I just want to talk about the planting the seeds together. Uh-huh. I didn't really understand that either. I saw Zach Bauer YouTube on that, who, who was referencing another guy, uh, and there was this tradition of three sisters, like a tomato and a potato and, I don't know, something else. You wanted to plant those as a group. Okay. Well, it turns out that doesn't help. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't help. Doesn't help any of it doesn't have, there's there's no evidence that it actually does any good. There were, the idea was that they would pay off each other and yeah. one would fix it with nitrogens, I guess. I don't know, but um, so and I don't know. Maybe that was a pagan practice or something. But yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm not real sure either. But, but it's interesting. I mean, I, I can see a teaching lesson from it. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I don't understand the real prohibition. On this uh, planting two different types of seed, if you plant, if you have a good seed and the crops are growing and you plant a different type of seed, that different type of seed will most likely overtake the good seed. And that reminds me, uh, again, in the New Testament where uh, good seed falls on rocky ground and the other that, mm -hmm. and you can't mix oil with water. But uh, one type of seed, if you ever plant it, if you uh, a wheat or a rye or whatever, and you plant a, something that could work against that. So it's another episode where God wants to purify the land and keep it holy. Okay. Okay. I've wondered if the statement that don't plant in your field is different than your garden because our gardens are small and have yeah. a lot of different kinds of things but a field is takes a lot of people or equipment to yeah. do it yeah, maybe I never thought about that yep yeah i do know that if you plant cucumbers and cantaloupe in the same you have a terrible tasting both <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting so don't plant your cucumbers your cantaloupe together. Could this be referring to genetically modified seed? I suppose it could be. I suppose it could be that. Which, which means we're still now learning the implications of that, if you will. Yeah. Well, okay, there's, there's the place where they usually go in this is that this is more than anything else is a teaching lesson about uh, understanding the difference between clean and unclean and between holy and profane. You know, you're not supposed to mix them. You're supposed to make sure and keep the things separate so that you can keep the clean from, from con or the unclean from contaminating the clean. That's usually what it is. And then that goes along with this idea that God created Israel to be separate. Israel is His inheritance. Israel is His allotted portion. And he knows well enough that if his allotted portion is mixed with uh, the other guys, the goyim, if you will, that the result won't be, won't be pure. It won't be sufficient for what he wants. It won't be holy. It won't be his. It won't be set apart. So that's usually what they do when they talk about this, is that it reinforces this notion of the set-apart nature of his people. Um, but, and it does. It does do that. I just felt like there ought to be something more there, and I never can get much more out of it than that. Anybody else have any thoughts on that? Margaret might. 
I don't think it's specifically on the mixing of seed in the garden or the field, but the fruit trees here, uh, usually when you, when you cut back uh, or prune a tree, then it really takes off the following year. So I wonder if these verses here relate it to fruit trees where it says you've got to wait until the fifth year to, to pluck the pluck the I wonder if the plucking of the of the fruit doesn't stymie the stymie yep. the, the increase the yep. the fruit that it's gonna bear later on in life. Well that's that's tree. a thought. Yeah. Yeah. I know the now that I have been told and I have no reason yeah. to doubt this that the the you know when you plant a fruit tree, a young fruit tree, it usually yeah. takes three years yeah. before it settles in and finally produces. Yeah. And then the first year that it produces goes to God uh, analogous to the, the first firstborn. First fruit, yeah. Okay, and so that's why you can't start having anything till after the, the fourth year. That's, that's what I've been told on that. Furthermore, yeah. one of the things that's interesting about that is that grafting is a well-known process. I mean, grafting mm -hmm. limbs into trees, uh, we, we've, we've read a, yeah. we read about that in the Bible quite a bit. Uh, you know, Paul talks all kinds about rafting, dra grafting, grafting wild yeah. Olive branches are yeah in the uh, domesticated root and all of that. So again, I don't know what I don't know what all of this means. But mm -hmm. go ahead. Well, it says here in twenty five that it may yield unto you the increase thereof. It mm -hmm. looks like if you if you pluck the fruit in the first five years, then you're not going to get the amount of fruit that you would have had you not. Yeah, and uh, seems like uh, that's like the blessing. For following, following the rules. Following the rules. Yeah, on that, yeah. Um, and it seems to make sense. Uh, there's a lot of things in that in the natural world. Uh, went to um, the biosphere over in Tucson, uh, north of Tucson there, and they've got this biosphere where they planted trees, and the trees grew and grew and grew and got top heavy because they forgot to build in the wind, mm -hmm. and the wind stresses the the trunks and strengthens them and they don't get top heavy yeah so um there's got to be something here with a I, I, mixed seed yep i bet there's a, my lack of agricultural yeah. background is very apparent yeah you know i think i think most of us our lack of knowledge of of plants and the food that we eat and everything else is just it's a sorry situation <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, well, we're wondering what word. That's a good word for it. Yeah, it's a sad situation, situation because, yeah, yeah we're, we're eating stuff we shouldn't be eating, and we're, uh, yeah. stuff we should be eating, we're not eating. And yeah. uh, If there anything ever happens to the grocery stores, yeah. we'll all starve. And, and we don't know a lot of things that, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so that gives us. So that gives us an opportunity to repent. Well, that's true. That's the whole reason. Like that, nothing is that difficult. It's not that difficult to make those changes to have knowledge. Yes. So, but it is if you think it is, or you don't. Are you're you don't you're naturally the, somehow you're proud, right? You know, you're not you're unwilling to say, "Oh, I was wrong," you know, right? That, well, I don't know if we even need to think of it as like being wrong because. You know, we're in a culture, we grew up in, you know, and some of it was imposed upon us. Mm -hmm. 
but it does take that humility or it has that um, desire, right, before Yoah yeah. mm -hmm. to know what, what, why he said these things. So we actually picked up all from San Diego and went all the way to an agricultural community for that very reason. Okay. Because, I mean, we were planting things in San Diego and things grew actually easily, right? Mm -hmm. But I felt that we really didn't understand why, since agriculture was such a huge part of what the parables were, mm -hmm. that it would be good to raise the, the children, you know, mm -hmm. understanding, um, and us obviously understanding. Yeah. So, yeah, there is a huge learning curve, but it's necessary, right? Yeah. And then, actually, he has a ton of mercy and grace because even here in, you know, or in San Diego or here where we can actually grow things, um, well, it's not necessarily easy here. We've had a lot of trouble. <laughs> We've <laughs> well, lost a lot. Yeah, there's, a, the there's a lot of people in this group that, right. that have a, a strong desire to grow stuff and to learn how to, how to be self-sustaining. So it's, I think it's a good thing. I like it, and I think you're right. And, and kind of like what Margaret's saying, it's, it's really necessary, that, or maybe it's sorry, it's how she said it, but it really becomes a, therefore necessary. Anything that's sorry, we should be sorry for, right? I mean, it's like mm -hmm. we should just repent from it because why stay in it, right? So, so just well, fix it is what you're saying. Yeah, get, exactly. Get, get about your business. If we have a problem, it's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Recognize it and fix it. Anybody else have any comments? Well, let's see. What else was some of the other stuff on this thing that was? Well, let's see. We had the thing in verse 20 about the, if a man sleeps with a woman who is a slave girl promised to another man, but who has not been ransomed or given her freedom, there must be due punishment. Yet, they are not to be put to death because she had not been freed. The man, however, must bring a ram to the entrance of the tent of meeting for a guilt offering to Yahweh, the ram will be the, the ram of the guilt offering. With the ram of the guilt offering, the priest is to make atonement for him before Yahweh for the sin he has committed, and his sin will be forgiven. Um, boy, that's a convoluted thing to me. It's, uh, it's got to do with uh, the whole thing about um, having slaves, and um, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> Uh, it's difficult for me to comprehend exactly what's going on. A man sleeps with a woman who is a slave girl promised to another man, okay, but has not been ransomed yet. In other words, she's still with the guy that bought her, if you will. There must be due punishment. In other words, he's, he shouldn't have done that. Well, he shouldn't have done that, period. And so he ends up, the sin is recognized and he pays for the sin. He pays for the sin with a ram, which is not a, a not... Uh, 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 how do I say it, double negative, a non-insignificant uh, fine, if you will. or That's, a, that's a, a, a relatively hefty fine. So he's got to provide that. But it says he's, I guess maybe what it's saying is usually a person in that position would be, uh, I think, stoned. I think the death penalty. But for whatever reason, I could be wrong about that. Yet you are not to put to death, you are not, yet they are not to be put to death because she had not been freed. This probably won't be the last time about whenever I read something and I don't get it. But if any of you guys have any comments on that, I'm happy to listen.
It's embarrassing, but, you know, I don't have all the answers. Okay, moving right along then. How about uh, verse 23? This is the one about the fruit tree. When you enter the land and plant any kind of fruit tree, regard its fruit as forbidden. For three years you are to consider it forbidden. It must not be eaten. In the fourth year, all of its fruit will be holy, an offering to praise Yahweh. But in the fifth year, you may eat its fruit. In this way, your harvest will be increased. I am Yahweh, your God. So this is the instruction on how to make your fruit trees uh, prolific or successful. Then we get into this long list of stuff, and I want to go through these because I'd like to understand a little bit more myself. You all always have good input here. Um, do not eat any meat with the blood still in it. We talked about that last week, and we talked about how if you killed the animal properly and, and hung it up, it drained the blood out. Because I remember there was, I think she's not here tonight, but there was a woman that was concerned about, not concerned, but want to know, did you have to soak it in salt water to get all the blood out of it? And it's my opinion that that's not necessary, but if you feel like you need to do that, okay. Then right next to that, you know, moving, moving, sliding easily right into this topic, do not practice divination or sorcery. <laughs> okay, does anybody know what the dif difference is between divination and sorcery, or what is divination and sorcery? Beg your pardon? Conjuring up the spirits. I think that's right. There's, uh, there's. let's see, uh, I got this written down here somewhere if I'll just find it. Oh, I can't seem to find it. One has to do with trying to conjure up the spirits of gods, not the God, but gods. And the other has to do with conjuring up spirits of the dead. It's like a Ouija board. Yeah. Uh, channeling. Uh, yeah. Coming up the spirits. And soothsayer is the fortune teller themselves. That, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and that's what it's telling you not to do. Yeah. The thing that's interesting about this, uh, uh, you know, God says, don't do it. That's one thing that's interesting. But the other thing is, is um, we in this world today kind of have this commonly held belief that stuff doesn't exist anyway. Yep. There's lots of indications in the Bible that it definitely does exist. So I, um, I'm, I'm personally struggling making sure I give this stuff fair uh, weight. So I'm, I don't understand it, but I'm... Sure, going to, from whatever I understand about it, I'm going to try to stay away from it as much as I can. Here's another good one. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Now, this one, I actually have a, a theory. If you go back and look at some of the drawings and the uh, carvings that were done during the Assyrian period, um, their Assyrian men often had very pointed beards. They were kind of you know, shaped and had a flat, flat bottom on them. You'll see them that way, and, and there's reason to believe that that was kind of what that was. There's also a, a theory that do not cut the hair at the sides of your head has to do with why they have these little 
you know, the Orthodox Jews have the, whatever they call those things, the earlocks or whatever they are, the hair that hangs down. So both of those then would have to do with cultural practices, pagan cultural practices that God doesn't want you to be mimicking. Anybody have a thought about that? I'm wondering if most of this isn't connected with death and dead. If you shave for any other reason besides in honor of the dead, perhaps mm -hmm. that's okay. That could be. That could be. It's, it's hard to imagine because a lot of it is, is so, you know, cultural, culturally set. Margaret. There's... There's another scripture that talks about shaving the baldness in your head. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the, I think, uh, I think of the, the Franciscans. Yep. The Franciscans in the Catholic orders, they have the different orders they have. That yep, they they kinda, shave a little yep. baldness. Um, um, I don't know. Some of this, well, I guess to us, to me, it kind of looks weird for the, like the Orthodox that have the long. Yeah. They have the long, and yet the rest of their hair is short. Yeah. Doesn't really make sense. Yeah. I, it I, seems I, like the corners, there would be four corners in the back, in the back. Yeah. And then in the beard, I don't know. Where, I, don't know I don't know what a corner where's is. Where's a corner up, up, up yeah. at the top? Well, or well where? I, I, that's why I say the pictures that I've seen show them with uh, something that kind of comes down at an angle and yeah. then is cut level at oh, the bottom. It's yeah. kind of weird looking. But again, I, I can't help but think it's a cultural thing. Yeah. There's nothing against braiding, though, like yeah. back in the 60s, you know. <laughs> yep, there's nothing against braiding. That's true. <laughs> verse, uh, verse 28 says, Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am Yahweh. Of course, now, the tattoo marks are something that's uh, coming back in vogue in a big way. Uh, when I was growing up, they weren't, the only people that had tattoos were sailors. Um, cutting for the dead. Now, that's a couple of, I've got a couple references for that. Um, who, Polly, go ahead. Uh, my question or comment was back on verse 26. Okay. Well, the last part of that verse, do not practice divination or seek omens. I think you said, uh, or sorcery. Mm -hmm. Is your divination or sorcery? I was just wondering, um, when you read that, I was thinking about Matthew 16, when it says the Pharisees and Sadducees came to the master and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. I'm wondering if that was referring to possibly the seeking an omen or sorcery. Can you tell us... Um, something that the heavens are um, some kind of sign from yeah. the heavens, which leads into astrology, I yeah. think, more so. And it's interesting that he answers him. He tells him, you know how to interpret the sky, but it is a wicked and perverse, adulterous generation that looks for a sign. Yeah. So very interesting. I, just, I never caught that. Maybe it was referring to testing about this particular um, passage. Yeah. Interesting. There's, back to the cutting yourself, there's a, if you read the story of uh, Elijah and the, and the 400 prophets of Baal or whatever it was, you know, um, the, when the, 
that's such a great story. I can't hardly think about that story without laughing. But, you know, the, the 400 prophets of Baal are out there trying to get uh, Baal to light this, this uh, offering on fire because that was the deal that uh, Elijah had talked him into. And so they're running around and getting all, you know, I don't know, weird uh, in, in these trances, yelling or, I don't know, speaking, praying to their gods. And they cut themselves. It, said, it says in there you know, they would cut themselves. So that evidently was a, a kind of a thing that, that uh, you'd do if you worked yourself up into some sort of a, a frenzy. Uh, Joe, wait, wait, wait. The microphone's coming somewhere. What'd you, did you take it? <laughs> We're not, we don't have union rules around here. There's groups in South America that does this very thing really? uh, to uh, pierce themselves with uh, hooks and cut themselves with knives and so on and so forth. Hmm. Interesting. I think it's down in South America somewhere this goes yeah. on. Um, I don't know. It seems like, it seems like the, the cuttings in the flesh, if you're doing it for the dead, like in a, in a state of grief, that's not... I notice now there's some people that you... Um, I don't know, maybe they inherited a car that they inherited from somebody, and they says, in loving memory of... Yeah. In their car. Um, I'm wondering if, if it's not a sign like that that you put on your body for somebody that died. It that, could be. That's out. I don't know about the artistic stuff. There's a lot of good art in some of those tattoos. They look ugly, though, because it covers up. To me, it covers up what's so naturally magnificent in design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, That's a good point. And yeah, I think that... It's kind of like, like you're doing your graffiti... But I guess if it's your own body, you know. Eh, well, that's certainly what they <laughs> would know. argue. I think yeah. the, the thing about me is it might look great when it's done, but it doesn't look great 40 years later. The, um, the thing about tattoos, we lived in New Zealand for a while. And New Zealand has this indigenous culture of the Maori. And the boy, the Maori were big into tattoos. And they were, were, specific, were particularly uh, fond of face tattoos. And they would do all kinds of spiral things that, and man they were they were striking but they were almost scary sometimes you know and, and and those those certainly i learned from that culture that those were uh, they, they were pagan you know they they weren't they weren't there for some innocent cultural reason they had to do with the, those pagan gods now they at that at this time they had removed that and said that well it's just part of our culture uh, but, you know, you got to wonder sometimes. Anyway, let's move on. Do not degrade your daughter by making her a prostitute, or the land will turn to prostitution and be filled with wickedness. Uh, that's almost like no kidding, you know. But, um, I don't know. I guess a lot of times they got away with this in these pagan religions by using prostitution as a, again, as a part of uh, pagan worship. Temple prostitutes, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, verse 30 says, Observe my Sabbaths and have reference for my sanctuary. 
I am Yahweh. So there amongst all these terrible things to do, to not do, uh, make sure and keep the Sabbath and uh, treat the tabernacle as the holy thing that it is. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am Yahweh your God. These spiritists and mediums are the ones I'm thinking of. That, Like I say, one of them contacts the dead, and the other one contacts uh, entities in the spirit world. And like I say, I'm beginning to kind of re reconnect or revisit all this, all my uh, 20th century skepticism of that kind of stuff anymore, but I'll, I'll tell you more if I come, come up with any conclusion. Demons, yeah, both, yeah. Verse 32 says, Rise in the presence of the aged and show respect for the elderly. Revere your God, I'm Yahweh. Now, as I get older, I like this more and more. But, but again, that's, that's nothing more, that I think, than just uh, being... Um, polite and reverent and uh, considerate. I mean, it's kind of a, a good thing to do. Yeah, I'd say it even if I wasn't old. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a different matter. Yeah. You know, as you deal with, uh, as you deal with some of the elements of, of aging, and then you see some older people that it's, it's hard to move, it's hard to do things, you know, you can't quite remember things, you forget things. Um, and you almost become like a child. Mm -hmm. There's Proverbs and in the Psalms that talks about how you don't know who's going to be taking care of you when you, yeah. when you get old. And so, you know, it, you almost have to treat the elderly with so much respect because they're, in many respects, become helpless in, in yeah. many ways. And so well, and, that, and, would be, that would be abuse. Yeah, yeah. If you, well, and not, I yeah. understand what you're saying. The other way I look at that is that by, as a younger person, yeah. by doing that, you're in, in God's economy, you're making sure that you won't be neglected when you get that age. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Verse 33 I want to talk about a little bit. It says, When an alien lives with you in your land, do not mistreat him. The alien living with you must be treated as one of your native born. Love him as yourself, for you were aliens in Egypt. I am Yahweh your God. Now, when they were aliens in Egypt, they weren't treated the way God just described, right? But God's saying, when an alien lives with you in your land, do not mistreat him. In other words, don't make a slave out of him and make him build pyramids, right? Um, the alien living with you must be treated as one of your native born. Love him as yourself. Um, the place where I struggle with this is what if this alien that's living among you decides that he needs some special, uh, special things to deal with this, his religious persuasion? with his, you know, uh, yeah. So I guess, the and, and this is something I just want to bring up to talk about. 
So it's the alien that lives with you in the land as, and has kind of thrown his lot in with you. He's not saying here, I'm coming to live with you. By the way, uh, I'm, I'm not going to participate in any of these things that you do. I'm going to do this set over here that, by the way, you may not like, but that's too bad because I do. So what do you think about that? Do you think, is, am I reading something there that's not there? Or, I mean, because God does make a special point about if somebody um, is found... Um, participating in pagan practices among you, you need to get rid of him, right? No doubt about it. So, what do you think? I figure old Joe's always got something to think about. I don't think uh, the scriptures are talking about an individual living with a uh, person, I think, is the, the, uh, the stranger in the nation that uh, is uh, the one that he's supposed to take care of. It's like uh, further on in the Old Testament where uh, uh, God's going to bring all these people into the land of Israel, and they're the strangers. And so, but I'm not thinking that this is particular verse is talking about an individual living with another individual. Okay. Margaret has something. I don't know. Sometimes I think I have aliens in my family because, you know, I'm, I'm doing this thing, this Sabbath thing, this feast thing, yep. calling on Yahweh's thing. Um, and so <laughs> we, we are the aliens. <laughs> Sometimes you, you think, well, I'm the alien here, you know. Yeah. I'm doing my thing. But... As far as faith is concerned, like I, I think of my, my own children, if they don't believe something that I believe and I try to raise them when they were under my control to, be, to believe, try to teach them, and of course then they go out into the world and um, yeah. they're back in the worldly traditions and things. Um, so uh, it, it's a difficult one to to try to force somebody to believe like you do. Yeah, you can't you really. Can't, you, no, can't you can't force really do them. That. You can't force because but, it's something that comes of you that, yeah. that grows but, of you. But maybe you can yeah. say, you know, um, I'm, I'll frame it like this, yeah. and I don't know whether I go with it or not, but um, this is my house, and as long as we're you're in my house, we're doing things the way we do things in this right. house. Now, if you're uncomfortable with that, you can go find someone that you could be comfortable right. with. But, yeah. So maybe maybe to some degree what Joe says is right. It's more yeah. of an individual thing. Yeah, but you're, you're still in the world, you know. It's yeah. like, you know, well, like well, we are in the you, world. You go to lunch with somebody and, then, and okay, you're, you're, having, you're having lunch and they're, they're having bacon and, yeah. and uh, it's like. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all <laughs> do that, a, don't we? You know, it's yeah. just a, Sometimes I wonder, you know, some of the, especially socially, when you're dealing with people out in the world, is this right? Should I not be doing that? Should I not go out with, I know somebody that's going to want to order the pork chop or the spare ribs yeah. and, you know. Well, I'll tell you, just FYI, yeah. in our family. I, I don't pay for it. If I invite somebody, I say, no, you, you got to pay for that yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I just, my son always, he likes to tease me about yeah. it, you know, talk about bacon wrapped shrimp and stuff like this, you know. 
And uh, so I just kind of, I just kind of blow it off and say, well, you know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and you're going to do what you're going to do. Let's at least we can talk. Uh, but there's just what it does for me is it makes a whole wide area of um, discussion and uh, conversation that we can have that's essentially off limits. Yeah, so it makes our whole relationship more superficial. Yeah. I think these, uh, this kind of applies to, like John likes to say, the, the Torah, Torah-gated, is that Torah-gated, it? Torah-gated community. Yeah. Uh, because uh, they're, they're doing this in the land of Israel where the, the Torah is to be observed, and so... For the stranger to come in, he can't come in and go against the Torah because yeah. otherwise he's going to be treated the same as a natural-born citizen would be. Yeah. If you go against the law of Yahweh, you're yeah. going to be, you Going know, out, cut off from your people. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so it's the same like in, in our community. I mean, we can't just go into our, you know, like our governments here and say, you know, you have to adhere well, we have to the people, but, but we can it, within the confines of our community, yeah. if somebody comes into our yeah. fellowship and says, you know, that's right. and they start doing, you know, that's right. like that's, that's some of these occultic point. practices or whatever, it's like, uh, no, you, that's not going to fly. Yeah. Well, and, but, and that's exactly what they're talking about here. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think it really applies to like... Uh, you know the problem we're having today with um, all the illegal aliens and whatnot. You know, uh, I don't think this is specific to that because people come here and uh, you know they elevate their culture. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they they got their flags and everything. You know, I, I've been uh, uh, in Chicago on uh, Puerto Rican Independence Day, and it's like everybody's driving around. For days, honking her horns, waving her Puerto Rican flags. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. It's kind of cool, but you know, I don't mind it. But uh, some people get upset about stuff like that, you know. And well, yeah, but it, the, the difference with that is that yes, this, I don't see that applying to that. Yeah, you this, know? this is more of a religious thing. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Fair, fair point. All of this stuff is interesting to me because we do not live in the culture that God is thinking about when He's saying this. Yeah. Right. So then. Well, you know, we end up with a few different things, right? One is uh, current, uh, old, like Judaism, just for lack of, I mean, mm -hmm. that's our common word, I guess. Um, then this, they, they, you know, with like the concept of the no-hide laws, mm -hmm. their, uh, their objective is that it's either going to be this or the no-hide laws. Um, for the Gentiles. So that we either have to fully take the old, you know, the Tanakh, and abide in that. Um, no, you know, Brit Hadashah, uh, everyone else has to do the no-hide laws. And so, you know, and, you know, hopefully that's not actually going to happen, but, you know, that's the talk of concern. So when you look at something like this and you really have to say, okay, what lines, what, what does he mean now? I mean, obviously we think something different than what they think. I mean, very different. So then that, this becomes a very important discussion to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. 
two verses to me make a huge difference on this discussion, and that's Exodus 20:10. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, and it shall not do, no, not, you shall not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within the gates. So this phrase that's within the gates implies to me that it belongs only to the people that have agreed and associated um, themselves with the belief of that camp, so yep. to speak. Yep. Exodus 20:49 says, One law shall be to him that is homeborn and unto the stranger that sojourns among you. Okay, so uh, from what I got, what you said was basically, this is referring to uh, what John would call a torrigated community. And it says, even if you're not one of us, if you come live with us, these are the laws you'll live by. I, I, I can live with that. That makes, that makes good sense. Yeah. Did you have something? I just want to know, is there a correlation between this verse and the one that we just read, um, 17? Do not hate your fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor, frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. What does that look like to rebuke your neighbor, frankly, so you don't share in their guilt? Is that, is that correlated to this at yeah, all? Yeah, I, I would think it might be. I would think that... Uh, um, you got this alien. I'll draw this picture. We live in John's torrigated community. We're all doing very well there. We got this alien come in, likes us, wants to, wants to stay there. And then, oh, let's see. I'm trying to think of something. I'll dream any. He comes home with a big leg of pork or something, you know. And so you got to go over to him and you have to say, well, you know, I appreciate the fact that that might have been done where you came from. But here we don't, we don't eat that. So, yeah, and you do it you know, nicely loving your neighbor because maybe he didn't know, right? And in which case, if he didn't know and rebuke your neighbor frankly, right? If he says, okay, won't happen again, all is good. But if he doesn't, you know, the thing I get at is that, well, look, I'm a free man. If I want to do this, I'll do this. And then, then what, the, what we do is we say, okay, well, you can do this, but you can do it outside the gate and not come back. <laughs> I don't know. I'm making it up. Let me go on and we'll finish this up. I, I dwelled on this a little longer, but I'm having fun. You guys help me out with this. Verse uh, 35, do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Use, an, use honest scales and honest weights and honest ephah and honest ten. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Keep all my decrees and all my laws and follow them. I am Yahweh. So what do honest weights and measures have to do with anything? They have a lot to do with things, don't they? I mean, you know, if you, uh, if you, the, the butcher that puts his thumb on the scale or the, you know, most of the time, especially when they were selling silver and gold, they didn't usually have coins. So they'd have the little, the little scales and they'd have weights. And, you know, here's, here's an ephah. Okay, I'll put an ephah on this side and I'll pour gold in here till it, till it balances. So that's an, uh, you know, a certain amount of gold or whatever. Ephah is probably the wrong term. But anyway, you get the idea. Um, so if you don't use honest ones, then obviously you're cheating. And when that becomes a kind of a pervasive thing, society starts deteriorating. You know, you start saying things like, well, don't go to him because he always, his, his, his weights are too light. 
You know, and, and people, I guess the point I'm trying to make is I think especially in our culture today, we've discounted the importance of honesty. Honesty is really important. And uh, I think God shows it right here. You know, a lot of the stuff that's in the Torah surprises you because it's so basic. It's so obvious, but yet he writes it down, which really helps. Joni, just a second. There's a, do you have the microphone? We're not, I realize that we're a minute over, but. <laughs> so I think it's, this is a little different than how, you know, it's obvious what we're talking about, but it, it's, it, it's really big in our whole culture. So I think it's important just to bring up. So for instance, my kids play baseball, right? So the amount of favoritism that's there doesn't seem like it's, I mean, if you just say that word or think about the concept, it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal, but that's actually the whole concept of fair weights and measures. So the people that don't think it's a big deal, you know, the coaches or the parents or the kids that participate in that, they don't think it's a big deal, but it's, it's actually a very big deal. Yeah. And then if the coaches are teaching these kids that this is the way life is done, then when it comes to business, then they mm -hmm. also practice that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these, the concept of fair weights and measures needs to be looked at pervasively and taught to the, especially, well, to the kids so that they, they can understand how to respond to it mm -hmm. in a mature way, right? Yes, and in not a righteous a victim, way. And yeah. not a victim way, right, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. I, agree. I agree. Yeah, and then the, you know, we've you know, been, been praying for years now, how are we supposed to change the culture of sports? Because that has to change too. I mean, the whole culture has to see the application of the word. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I agree. That's, that's good. So I went a little long and I realized this seemed meandering, but the text meandered a fair bit too. So thanks. I enjoyed the discussion. Does anybody have anything else they want to say? I'll... What? Okay. Oh, it's just we can open the can of worms and then we don't have to talk about it. It's okay, just... we can go next week and talk about it. Okay, I pray that I'm here next week. Okay. It was back in 18 when you were reading it. There was this neon flashing sign on <laughs> verse 15. Okay. And I didn't want to open the can of worms, but beings we just had read in the uh, Torah portion on Shabbat about Judah and yep. Tamar. Yep. I mean, I just have so many questions about that whole thing. So maybe next week. Oh, we yeah, can... it's funny. We talked about that earlier today just in the group. So the do not have sexual relations with your daughter-in-law. Yes. Okay. We'll talk about that. All right. Let me close in prayer. Well, Father God, thank you for the evening. Thank you for your Torah. Thank you for the way it challenges us. Help us to think on these things. Help us to uh, roll them over in our mind and and... Help us understand what, how you mean for them to apply to us today. And I just thank you for being patient. I thank you for being loyal and steadfast. And uh, I thank you for the, the true God that you are, that uh, you're worthy of whatever praise and obedience we can give you. And just bless us until we meet together on Shabbat and next Tuesday. In Yahushua's name, amen. Okay, thank you guys very much.